This morning we're starting a brand new series, The Three R's to Finish Strong. Before I get to that, has anyone noticed that everything seems to be getting its own month? Like, November 1st, social media was just littered with, remember, it's blank focus month for all of November, right? And so for years, the big one was November is Movember, where all of us guys grow really bad mustaches and we do it in an effort to raise awareness of uh, prostate cancer and support to, to raise support for awareness and Movember was like the big one, but now all of a sudden it's, there's lots, there's lots of things that November has been set aside for. As I said earlier, uh, for the PAOC, it is the Pray for the Persecuted Church Month, where we recognize the fact that not everyone has the liberties and freedoms that we have today, and so pray for the persecuted church. Um, but my first question is, just in light of this, besides November, what is some other like themes that you see for like different months? What are like some of the different focuses? I found a really weird one for November, but everyone online, you throw out in the comment section, what are some of these highlights or focuses that you've seen from different months? Um, I'm just trying to, I know a couple for November. I don't know too many outside of November. Anybody in-house, anyone got like a October was, well, besides Halloween, October was this month, or nothing? May? Huh? Right, October is Pastor Appreciation Month, in case you missed it. There's a really good video on YouTube of uh, our pastor's council showing some appreciation for its pastors. Anything else? October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month. September was Suicide Awareness Month. I remember that from last year. Um, so here's a good one. You guys will have a tough time forgetting this one. Uh, November apparently is No Nut November. Um, it is a, everyone's nodding like you knew this. I didn't know this. Um, it's an abstinence month. It's like a commitment to not have sex for, I didn't realize that was a thing. Um, I could comment more, but I will just refrain. Uh, huh, anyways. Mitch is like shocked. Um, anyways, there's, I, it seems like every month, and, and not that the series, the series aren't meant to like take away from that. The series are just meant to say, hey, for this month, we're going to talk about this. And one of the things that we're not talking about in November, or at least we're starting to talk about, is the fact that November is a really hard month. Year after year, November is just a hard month for everybody. And this became very apparent this week, in the last couple of weeks. Um, it felt like every phone call I got, and I got lots of phone calls this week from people who are just struggling. People are tired. People are stressed. People are feeling overwhelmed. People are just feeling like they're carrying the weight of the world. And I feel it too. I feel tired. I feel wore out. And it's a combination of things. We're getting to the end of the year. The season is changing. There's less daylight. It's darker, so our motivation is down. We have gone hard all year, so our energy levels are down. And it never fails that when our energy levels are down, that's when the major projects come up. Right? Everything that has to be done by the end of the year starts popping up now when we are tired and we're exhausted. And when we're tired and we're exhausted, we get stressed easier, we lose our focus easier. We're just, it just feels like 
this is a hard time of year, and most everyone I'm talking to these days is feeling that. Um, this, one, this week, I, ha- I had a, an appointment with a doctor's, at the doctor's office. I had to have an assessment done, and I had two nurses doing the assessment, and it came up that I was the pastor of one church, and they're like, they, like, the whole assessment stopped when that came about, and they're like, can you please be praying for us? Can you please be praying for the healthcare workers? Because we're feeling, you know it's bad when you stop a potentially, not that anything's wrong with me, don't, nobody worry, okay, I'm good. Uh, but it, it could have gone, right, it could have been something wrong, but they stopped all of that, and they're like, we're really tired. We're really feeling the weight. We're really struggling right now, and we, we would really love if your church would pray for us. So not only do I ask that you pray for the persecuted church, I ask you to pray for our healthcare workers because they're feeling it. And on top of just the normal November of it being a heavy, hard month, everything that I'm reading is saying that 2021, 2020 may have been the year the world changed because of the pandemic, but 2021 has been one of the hardest years on record. Because as we come out of the pandemic, there's been so much fighting, there's been so much division, and it's not just division amongst provinces, it's not just division and fighting amongst countries, but we have division in our own families as we don't agree of how this needs to be handled, we don't agree of how this needs to be done moving forward, and so they're just the, and if you're on social media, you're feeling this weight, you're feeling this heaviness, because there's just so much coming at you, and not only do we, not only is there fighting, not only is there division, but there's just this loss of trust, we don't trust the people we thought we could trust, because we don't know what's true, we don't know what information we're supposed to be taking in and applying, we don't, we just don't know because there's so much on both sides of the argument that it's just like what what do you do and you can't make everyone happy because it doesn't matter what you decide someone's going to be upset with your decision and so 2021 has been a hard year as it is so we take a hard year and we come into the close which can be for some of us a hard month we start to get tired we start to get traggy and we came out of Elkridge, and one of the things that the speakers talked about was burnout. And one of the signs of burnout is the things that you used to, in, you used to enjoy and used to energize you, no longer, you no longer enjoy and no longer energize you. It just drains you along with everything else that's draining you. And that is a sign that you're, if you're not burnt out, you're, gonna get, you're getting very close. And so the question is, is how, in the midst of all the pressure, in the midst of all that's going on, how do we finish strong? How do we finish our year strong? But maybe it's not just the year. Maybe getting to the end of December is too far. So how do we get to the end of our week strong? Maybe we just need to take it a day at a time. How do we just get through today and finish our day strong? And originally this was the four R's of finishing strong, but then I realized that we only have three Sundays in November before Advent, and if you don't know what that means, that means we're only seven Sundays away from Christmas. So everyone's like, I'm already feeling the pressure, Matt. Thanks for laying that on me. Seven, seven, seven weeks till Christmas. Awesome. Sorry. Um, newsflash. Um, <laughs> my in-laws told Michelle that they were out Christmas shopping. I'm like, what? 
Christmas shopping. Then you look at it and like, oh, actually, <laughs> that's not a bad idea. Okay, um, so to help us get going, we're going to look at a couple of passages this morning. I'm going to look, I'm going to say that this first R is probably the most important. It's probably the most overlooked. It's probably the one that we disregard. The, it's probably the first one to go when we start feeling stressed and under the pressure and under the gun. It's the first one that we just abandon. But it's probably the one that needs the most focus, especially in times of stress, especially in times of overwhelm, and especially in times when we're tired. The first hour we're going to look at is this idea of rest. Because when we look at Scripture, we, uh, we get this idea that God has a very clear understanding, a very clear instruction of this work-rest rhythm that he, has, that he wants us to follow. If we believe that the Bible answers every single question of life, if we believe that God has something for every avenue, everything we put our hand to, then what does God have to say about our work life? What does God have to say about our health? What does God have to say about us finishing strong? Because he calls us to run the race and to run it well and to represent him well. So how are we supposed to run this race? How are we supposed to do the work that he's called us to? How can we finish well, and we got a couple of stories we're going to look at out of Scripture. Uh, if you have your Bible, don't bother, because we're going to be jumping around a lot. Uh, if you want to make notes, uh, you can follow a lot. You can go back, watch, but we're going to go through a lot of Scripture. We're going to go very quickly. We're going to go right to the beginning. Genesis chapter 2, starting at verse 1. God has just finished creating everything. He says this, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished. He's done. And all the host of them... And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested. On the seventh day, from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Now we pause. God rests? God takes a break? God gets tired? Is that, is that what's going on here? Is God actually, I mean, don't get me wrong, I've never created a universe Probably takes a lot out of a guy. I don't know. I, not, not on my job description. If it was, I probably wouldn't be here. Right? Like, <laughs> creation of things is not my department. So maybe, maybe it's exhausting. Maybe it's just like, God got done. He's like, whew, that was a lot. But then we say that God never rests. We say that God never takes a break. We say that, so God took one break once thousands of years ago, but he's never taken a break ever since. Well, no, actually, I don't think God actually needed to take a break. I don't think God actually took a rest because I, I honestly believe that God never stopped. If God would ever stop, everything would just fall apart. One of the lies that has come into our Christian belief and one of the things that used to be taught way back, it was considered a heresy by the early church, was this idea that God took creation, he got it all going in six days, and he just kind of like pushed it and then walked away. He was like, okay, we'll see how this plays out. That's not how God operates. God did not create everything, breathe life into man, and just be like, okay, good luck. God actually is so intricately invested in everything that I honestly believe that if God ever stopped, everything would just burst apart. God is, when we say that God is interested in every little detail of your life, he's even interested in how your molecules are held together. He's interested in how your DNA determines who you are and how you act. And so why did God 
rest? Why did God, after six days, take the seventh day off? Because God created you and I, and he implanted in us his image and his likeness, and he, that desire to work. God, if God is a worker, then God has designed us and destined us to be people who work. But in the same way that God never stops, that image and likeness in us and our sinful nature leads us to not want to stop. We just want to keep on working and so that we keep take this idea of rest seriously because we can't actually just keep on working nonstop. God's like, okay, in order for you to understand how important it is for you to rest, I'm going to take the seventh day and take what's called the Sabbath and I'm going to make it holy. So you get the idea that you need a day off that you need a day to just stop your work, stop your regular routine, and rest. And this became apparent when Jesus was walking. Jesus was walking through a field, and his disciples are picking grains, of, grains out of the wheat, and the Pharisees are like, how can they do that? You're not supposed to do that on the Sabbath. You're not supposed to do any kind of work on the Sabbath. And Jesus said, he said, the Sabbath was made for man. Not man for the Sabbath. Man was not made to do nothing and make it. No, actually, God made Sabbath for you and I. God made this idea, this model of rest for you and I because we need to rest. We need, because if we're going to endure, if we're going to get to the end of the race that God has called us to, then we need to take time and stop. And one of the lies that we so often take on is the fact that I can't afford to stop. No, actually, you can't afford not to stop. If you actually want to get to the end of all that God has destined for you, God knows the full number of your days, but if you want to enjoy all those days, you want to get to the end and feel good about the end of the days, we got to rest. We have to stop. And like I said at the beginning, when it comes to the times of pressure, when we feel tired is the times we stop resting, which is so backwards. We need to rest. We need to. So in the rhythm of life, God calls us to work for six days and take one day off. So the question is, do you, how hard do you find to take a Sabbath day? How hard is it for you to take one day of the week to just stop your regular routine, to just stop everything that you normally do, all of the stresses, all the pressures? How hard is it for you to stop and do something different. Because when we talk about rest, whoop, come back here. Just because when we talk about rest, I'm not talking about sitting on your comfy couch or flipping up in the lazy boy, turning on sports all day and doing nothing. That's not actually resting, that's just being lazy. Rest is taking your regular routine, putting it aside, and finding something completely different, unrelated to work. It's finding something that's going to energize you, something that you enjoy, whether it's be with people and not work people, other people. You find people that you want to spend time with. You find things that you want to do so that you can step away and not think about work. Recharge your batteries so that at the end of the Sabbath day, when it's time to get back to work, you actually have energy to get back to work. So what are your hobbies? What are the things that you do to rest? What are the things you do to rejuvenate, to charge up your batteries, to step away? And if your answer is, well, I work, stay tuned. I got, I got something for you. 
because I fall in that category. Um, we, need to, we need to honor our Sabbath day. Now, some of us get two days off, and some of us get, you know, multiple weeks off, or whatever your holiday system works at your job, but it's easy to let work slip in. So what, can you t- at least take one day out of your week and guard it, say for this 24 hours, no work, nothing. Not answering my phone, not answering my text messages, not answering nothing. So I don't want work invading this space. But God's model and God's rhythm for life is not just for the weak. God actually has given us an example of how our work day is supposed to be structured. And we're going to look at a story from Jesus in Luke chapter 5. You can turn there if you want. Luke chapter 5 is one of the many miracles that Jesus performs. And as always with Jesus' miracles, well, you see what's going to happen. Um, But when it comes to work, when it comes to life, we believe, in all honesty, that Jesus is the only one who ever lived life perfectly. 100%. So if we honestly believe that that Jesus lived life perfectly, then we probably should follow his example. We should probably look at the things that he did because Jesus is, when we read through the story of Jesus, he's not just teaching when he's speaking. He's teaching when he's acting. He's teaching when he is. This is why he had his disciples that were with him always because they didn't just want, he didn't just want them to hear the words that he was saying. He wanted them to see the things that he was doing. How was he loving people? How was he interacting? And most importantly, how was he resting? So Luke chapter 5, this is what we read. While he was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. And he charged him to tell no one. But go, show yourself to the priest, make an offering for your cleansing, as Moses commanded, for a proof to them. But now even more the report about him went abroad. And great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. Jesus tells the guy, heals him from leprosy, which is unbelievably miraculous. This man has not had any human interaction for a long time. He comes to Jesus. Jesus takes away his sickness. He is able to rejoin society. And Jesus says, don't tell anyone. Matthew, Mark, and Luke have this model where Jesus heals somebody, says, don't go, don't tell anyone. Jesus is trying not to draw attention to himself. He more often will just say, go back to your family and just sin no more. Go back to your family and enjoy this new life I've given you. Go, but don't tell anybody. And 99% of the time, what happens? Ah! He's so excited. They're telling the community, they're, you know, they're on Facebook, Jesus just healed me. Like, like just telling everyone that the miraculous thing that has happened, they just can't keep it in themselves, and the crowds keep getting bigger. And the crowds keep coming, and they keep traveling, like, we got to see Jesus. And so Jesus, in this moment, sees the crowd coming, and he's getting ready. He's like, this is my moment. I'm going to get to preach to an even bigger crowd. I'm going to get to heal so many more people. I'm going to be able to spread the kingdom as far as... no. That's not how this story goes. Jesus does not see this new opportunity. Jesus does not see all the work coming and just keep working. Jesus sees the crowd coming, and it says, 
but he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. Wait, what? You've got all these people coming to see you, all these people to hear from you, all these people that need to be healed. Jesus, they're just flocking to you. There's so much for you to do, and you're going to separate yourself? What if the people move on? What if the people don't come back? What if, what if you miss out on this opportunity? It doesn't seem like Jesus cares. Jesus sees all the work that needs to be done. He sees all the lives that could be changed. He sees all of the opportunities he could have to impact these people, and he steps away. Why? Because even the Son of Man recognized the fact that he needed to rest. Even the Son of Man recognized the fact that even though he had this opportunity and he could just go and just give and give and give and give, he was still a man. His energy was still limited. His time was still limited. And so in order for him to be able to do the ministry that God called him to for the length of time that God called him to it, he stepped away. He stopped. And in the same way that Jesus recognizes that his energy is limited and his time was limited, we need to do the same thing. You are not a robot. You are not indestructible and you are not above fatigue. We all need rest. We need rest in our day-to-day life. We need rest in our week life. We need rest in our year. This is why you get holidays. God has this rhythm of work and rest, work and rest, work and rest. And if Jesus needed to step away, how much more do we need to step away? Now, for those of you that say, well, work energizes me. I love my job. I just get so fired up that I wake up every morning. And I'm like, I can't believe I get to do this for a living. Do I really need to take a rest from it? Yes. And this is why. Do you think Jesus was energized by his ministry? Do you think Jesus got fired up by loving on people? And he did. And here's the best example I have. I'm not going to put it up on the screen. I'm just going to tell you the Pastor Matt version of the story. Most of us would know the story of the woman at the well, right? Jesus, it's out of the Gospel of John. Jesus and his disciples are passing through Samaria. And just before the woman gets to the well, Jesus looks at his disciples. He says, I'm hungry. So his disciples, in all their excitement and want to, like, please Jesus, run into town to get him some food. And while Jesus is sitting at the well, this is when the woman comes. And we have this really amazing interaction between Jesus and the woman, because she's Samaritan, she doesn't think the Jew is going to talk to her, but he does, he engages with her and encourages her. And, and she goes running off after this interaction with the Messiah, and the m- disciples come back. The disciples have somehow missed this woman. They must have had a tough time finding food or whatever. They're coming out to the well, and they got all the, you know, I can just see it. They're just so excited. Oh, got you some food, Jesus. And Jesus is like, I'm not hungry anymore. What? Who brought him food? They actually say that. Who brought him food? Who? Someone snuck out here is earning brownie points. Like, who, who got him food after we spent all day looking for it? And he's just like, I'm not needing sustenance because I am doing the work of my father. Jesus is fired up. He is so, he goes from hungry to not needing food just because he had this amazing interaction with this young woman. His job fires him up, and yet he still takes a break. Yet he still separates himself regularly, separates himself from the work. Why? Because if you don't take a break, 
The things that energize you stop energizing you. The thing that you enjoy will lose its joy really fast. And then what do you do? What do you do when the things that fire you up? What do you do when the things that you used to look forward to, you don't look forward to anymore? How do you get out of that hole when you're resting in your work and everything that used to just be like, is no longer there? We need to rest. And this is for everyone who's feeling tired. This is for everyone who's feeling overwhelmed. And this is for everyone who doesn't feel tired. If you're in this month and you're like, I don't know what everyone's complaining about, I feel great. Okay, but if you don't introduce this model of work and rest, work and rest, that feeling great is not going to last forever. It is best to implement these ideas when things are good so that you stay feeling good. Because if you wait till you're tired, that's when it's the hardest. If you wait till you're stressed, that's when it's the hardest to get it in place. If you wait too long, then you fall in this category where your pressure is on, the deadlines are coming, you're tired, and you, get, you start believing these lies that I can't afford to take a break. Actually, you can't afford not to take a break. You can't finish strong if you don't make it to the finish line. You are not a rechargeable, well, you are a rechargeable battery, but you need to get back on the charger every once in a while. You can't put yourself out too much. You can't spend your energy too quickly, too fast, because if you, you don't finish strong, if you don't make it to the finish line. Life, as I use the old cliche, life is not a sprint, it's a marathon, and you need to pace yourself. can't finish strong if you don't make it to the finish line. How well do you guard your times of rest? Do you prioritize rest? When you are scheduling your day, when you're scheduling your time, you're planning out your week, do you make an emphasis to make sure that you are taking times of rest? Where you separate from everything and you find a way to charge your batteries. Because if you don't, you're not going to make it to the finish, to, finish line. I'm going to close with a story from the Gospels. This is one of my favorite stories. And this is for everybody who's sitting here thinking, well, there's always something that needs to be done. The work never runs out. That's good. That's a sign of a good job. If, if, if you run out of things to do, that's a bad job. If Every good job, every job that you enjoy, everything that you put your hand to, there's always going to be something to do. And if it's not at your job, then, it, you know, it's the honeydew list. Or it's the, you know, there's all, the house always needs, there's always something to do. And the story, I'm going to, again, I'm going to give you the Pastor Matt version. Jesus has just fed the 5,000. And we know that in the story of the 5,000, it's not actually 5,000 people. It's 5,000 men and not including women and children. So there is thousands of people at this gathering. And Jesus takes five loaves and two fishes and he feeds these number of people. And we often forget that there's got to be somebody out there distributing the food. The disciples have put in a long day. 
They're walking around, they're handing out the food, they're picking up the leftovers, they're hauling the 12 baskets around. They, they have put in a big day, it is late, the disciples are tired, and we read this, Matthew 14, immediately, immediately after the baskets had been, get, had been gathered, he made the disciples... Not he suggested to the disciples, not that he, he thought it would be a good idea if the disciples did this. He made them. Why? Because they didn't want to stop. They were tired. They wanted to keep going. And Jesus made them get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. The crowds weren't dismissed. They're still hanging out. They're still waiting to see what was going to happen next. And the disciples see this, and they know what the next, you know, so we do the ministry, Jesus talks, we feed them, and now we dismiss them. And all of a sudden, Jesus throws off the regular routine. He says, no, get in the boats, get out of here, because you guys need a break. I'll dismiss the crowds. I'll pick it up here. So while the disciples get in the boat as some of them were fishermen. Get on a boat probably would have been a place of rest for them. They get in the boat, just head out across the lake, and Jesus dismisses the crowds. Jesus puts in the extra hour or two, and he's interacting, and he is dismissing the people. Every good job will never run out of things to do. I had a mentor once tell me that any job, he's talking about ministry, but it applies to any job. Any job is a black hole for time. It will take every second you will give it. But that's not a reason to keep giving it time. There's always going to be something to do. There's always going to be things that need to be done. And I think sometimes the reason we don't stop working is because we're afraid we're going to forget something. Here's a little tip that I've picked up. Write it down. You may forget, but paper doesn't. Write down your to-do list so that when you get to the end of the day where you're like, okay, I am done, I need to start resting now, you can walk away knowing that you're not going to forget something. You come back to the list and be like, okay, here's what I need to do next. It helps you, recognize, it helps you remember, it helps you see that things are getting done. Nothing more encouraging than seeing that checklist get checked off. Helps you prioritize, because if you set parameters for time of work and rest, then you start to prioritize. These are the things that have to be done, and these are the things that can continue to linger. All these things will help you rest better. So back to my third question. How well do you guard your times of rest, and are you willing? At the end of the day, not only is there always something to be done, like I said, God never stops. God is always working behind the scenes. He's always, he's always working to help bless you and enhance your life. So if you got something left hanging, are you willing to trust God that it's going to get done? Maybe not by you. Maybe he's going to get something done. Maybe he's going to inspire someone to step in. Maybe he's going to, because just because you need rest, God doesn't. God keeps working, and God is there to help you so you don't end up burning out. Let's pray. Father God, I pray for everyone here at church, everyone online, wherever we are at. God, I pray for those that are tired. The Lord, we would take, if this is our Sabbath day, if this is our break day, that we would take today 
and find rest in this day. That we would set our hands to do something that is energizing and encouraging, that we would find people who could build us up as we are feeling down. God, that we would be intentional about finding rest. Father, I pray for all of those who maybe aren't struggling, that everything's going good. I pray, God, that we would take this, this word of warning, this word of rest seriously and start to implement those things into our lives so that we never get to a point of being tired. We never get to a point of being stressed and heavy burdened. Father, I pray that all of us get in this habit of rest, that as the psalmist said, that we just be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that God never stops. Be still and know that God is going to do good things in our lives and around us. Father, help us rest better. I pray this in your mighty name, Lord Jesus. Amen.